I'm Ben Davies, and this is The Clear Money Mindset. The only way to do that is by raising the interest rates. And the government has control over what is called the Bank of Canada rate. And when they raise those rates, it ultimately like affects our prime rate, which variable rate mortgages and lines of credit and credit cards that depend on prime get affected. Welcome to the Clear Money Mindset, providing you with help and tips to manage your money in a clear and intentional way. I'm your host and financial advisor, Ben Davies. At Davies Financial Sterling Mutuals, we want to provide you with meaningful tips to help you with your money. We have a great guest joining us today. Rasha Ingrata of Mortgage Intelligence will be joining us to discuss mortgages, real estate, and how rising rates affect the real estate market and our ability to qualify for mortgages. We'll also be talking about refinancing and when is a good time to do that and some cautions to take if you do refinance at the same time. With a massive amount of change in interest rates this year, her point of view could not come at a better time. Well, so much has changed this year in the housing and interest rate market, and it's left many people wondering questions like, is now the time to buy? Should I refinance? Or can I still even qualify to buy a home? We wanted to give our listeners a chance to have some answers to these questions. So we invited a local mortgage expert, Rasha Ingrata, on the podcast to give us some perspective on what's turned out to be a pretty crazy year. So Rasha, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah, it's our pleasure. We're we're happy you could come. Um, Before we get into all of the news and details, why don't you give us a bit of a background on yourself, what got you into the mortgage industry? And it's very clear in anything that we've heard or seen from you, you really love doing this. So tell us us about how you got into it. Yeah. Um, so I started in 1999, that was about 23 years ago. And, um, pretty much I, I had my first mortgage. I, I, I was buying a home and I went to a bank and they declined me. And then a friend of mine referred me to a mortgage broker. Okay. And at the time I had no idea like that I had other options. I thought the bank was the option. Uh, the only option. And um, I went to a mortgage broker and he showed me a few, uh, got me a few approvals hmm. and showed me the difference um, in, in interest rates and prepayment privileges. Yep. And, and I got to choose and pick what mortgage I wanted to go with. Um, as opposed to being as told to no. being declined. <laughs> yeah. Um, and yeah, and like when I was done, uh, I'm like, wow, this is really cool. Like he, I, he really helped me out and and I really wanted to help others. And um, 23 years later, I don't know if I could do anything else but mortgages. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's really important in any career, you got to get to the point where you enjoy the helping people because that's at the end of the day, um, even in this finance business people uh, they want somebody they can trust they want somebody who knows cares for them and that's huge um that's kind of cool that your entrance into the business is out of uh, you yourself seeing the benefit my, of a broker. my own experience yeah. yeah that's cool yep <laughs> so this has been a crazy year almost in every way possible mm-hmm. between the investment markets the real estate markets the interest rate markets everything is at least for the last decade of things being pretty, uh, I don't know if normal is the right word, but at least not as chaotic as this year has been. Tell us about some recent news on inflation and the impact of rates that this year's brought to us with everything changing. Yeah. So we kind of knew this was coming. Uh, For the past two years, we've really been spoiled with interest rates and um, um, it was kind of like just free money that why would you put your money like let's say you had two hundred thousand dollars why would you put it in the bank when you can um put a nice chunk down on a on a home and rent it out interest rates were low you and the cash flow was was amazing and that's why you saw like two out of five deals i was doing last year and the year before were rental purchases 
It's a lot of people uh, getting into the more rental, rental income game. Yeah, and um, we we saw this coming, and interest and inflation hit, and um, and it hit sky high, right? Like the interest rates went up. So, in in the last two years, you've seen um, the CPI. They call it the CPI. Yep. Okay, and it was between one and two percent, and now it's at actually now it's at seven. So back in June, it hit eight point one. Yeah, which eight point one, I believe, right? Um, and like that's really really high, and the government likes to see it between one and two percent. So how are we going to get it to one point two to one one to two? Yep. The only way to do that is by raising the interest rates. And the government has control over what is called the Bank of Canada rate. Yeah. And when they raise those rates, it ultimately like affects our prime rate, which variable rate mortgages and lines of credit and credit cards that depend on prime get affected. Right. So, I mean, I've been getting a lot of calls from clients in fixed rate mortgages. If you've got three years left on your fixed rate mortgage, you have nothing really to worry about, okay? But if you're in a variable rate mortgage, especially if it depends on prime and, and, it, and it's, uh, it, it fluctuates with payments based on prime, yep. those are the people that are panicking. So is it worth them, I know this is a question for later, but I'll just ask it now, is it worth them locking in? Okay, so my advice is no. Okay. Okay, because Bank of Canada raised interest rates, the Bank of Canada rate, for a reason. And that reason is is to um, ultimately bring the inflation down. Yeah. What goes up must come down. Yeah. Okay. And when Bank of Canada, um, when the CPI comes back down, which I think and I predict, I am not an economist. I don't have a crystal ball, okay? Yeah. The- but I can almost bet that, and if you listen to economists now, they're saying that the interest rates are going to come back down next year. Now, if you go to lock in at a five-year fixed rate mortgage at, let's say, five and a quarter, yeah. you're locked in for five years. When interest rates come back down next year, and you're going to say, oh, you know what? I want that lower interest rate. It's not that simple. Your penalties are going to be high. And you've locked in at kind of, you, you could almost say kind of a panic time because like really to put a complicated matter simply, the idea is if, if debt costs more and it costs people more to service their debt, um, number one, there's, people aren't going to take out as much debt in companies as well. And there's not going to be as much free money in people's pockets at the end of the month. Therefore, when we're looking at that vacation or we're looking at food or looking at that extra trip, at some point as the rates go up, um, the consumer looks around and says, I'm not paying for that, at yeah. least not that price. And the, the unfortunate part that I think we're in now that's, that's making it hard to navigate is the central banks were too late. Yes, getting correct. the rates up. And so now they have to, they're basically taking a sledgehammer to the problem and they're not going to stop until they see us spending less um, or until that inflation starts to drop so that they actually know it worked because mm-hmm. we can't, like, we can't have things going up by seven, 10% every year or we'll all be worth nothing yeah. in the next decade. And, and you could see that right now happening with, usually when when um, inflation starts coming back down, you start seeing it um, big ticket items. I call them big ticket items. And it's your home prices yep. and your vehicle prices. So um, if with vehicles, you drive by and you see dealerships with empty lots. Now you're starting to see the cars on the lots. Right. So that gives us a really good um, feeling that there is inventory. Yeah, which hopefully uh, supply goes up, demand goes down and... And inflation comes back. Yeah. So that's the formula. It's very simple. Yep. And I think maybe what's 
made this harder to predict as well is the fact that while inflation was raging, there was also a bunch of stuff you couldn't buy because mm-hmm. of supply chain problems that is like, it's like gasoline on this thing. So yep. hopefully it ends. So what you're kind of saying is it's kind of the fear play right now to, to like panic and lock in five years when it does seem like I would agree we're hearing the same thing. Central banks ramp the rates up. They keep talking about this thing called the soft landing, but we'll, we'll see. Mm-hmm. But once they've taken care of the problem or feel like they've raised rates up enough that they've slowed the economy down, then they bring them back down to ease us, um, to, to give us a, to, and essentially take a bit of the pressure off for the consumer so they can, um, afford the debt a bit more, that kind of thing. And then if I get what you're saying, right, Rasha, in three years from now, if you're renewing, you're not going to renew at what you could have gotten last year, but it's going to, it's probably going to be better than what you'd get if you locked it in now. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. So what what I was saying about anybody that has three years left on yeah. their fixed rate mortgage. So anybody that has like, let's say a 3% interest rate or 2.89, yep. we're getting a lot of people that are calling us and, and they have those interest rates. We're saying if you have three years left on that mortgage, you're good. Because I feel like in three years from now, I think rates are going to be, inflation is going to be better yeah i I pray i mean that's exactly (laughs) we hope i pray for that it better Um, be by then yeah yeah. and i I think my prediction is like by next year around this time i think and we'll play this again if 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 i if it's true i think it's going to be around the four to five yeah uh and our target is between one and two or let's say one and three and if it's between four and five, we're doing well. And we're almost going to be like, be normal again. Yeah. Um, and when that happens, interest rates come back down. Um, and then when interest rates come back down, the um, consumer spending is going to, people are going to feel better about spending money. Yep. And we just don't want it to like, what I really hope to God doesn't happen again is what happened in the last two years where there were 15 offers going in on homes and they were selling $300,000 more than what the asking price was. Right. It That wasn't a good thing um, that happened. Um, and I really hope that doesn't happen again. Yeah. And it, the market has a way of fixing itself. Like they, you hear these terms all the time that markets are efficient. They, they usually are like, there are bubbles created, but they usually normalize because yes. there's there's a lot more outside pressure, like say in a house, like um, if there's a lot of investment properties being purchased, well, in a lot of ways that price is only, like you can only get what you could recover and rent in a certain period of time or an investor is gonna be like, that's too expensive. I'd have to wait too long to recover my money and get it back. So all of those things affect it. So like even rent going up and food going up at the same time, there's only so much you can, go to the consumer and take out of their income before they're like, Hey, we can't, we can't pay you or we can't eat one of the two. Um, so here's an interesting question right now because the rates are going up, but there's the rates are going up perhaps on a lot of different types of debt. And there, there's probably people right now, especially in a high rate environment who are saying is now the time to take the debt I have and consolidate it into a, into my mortgage to, alleviate higher interest payments is that something Mm -hmm. that like let's say somebody's close to the end of their term anyway yes um is that something that's good to do right now or would that be something worth waiting for or is it situational yeah no we're we're actually doing a lot of that right now okay um people that are coming up for renewal or they're coming up for renewal let's say six months from now or a year from now um especially if they're in a variable rate mortgage um, cause you know, variable rate mortgages are affected by prime. Yep. We are looking at their whole picture, their whole landscape of their financial situation. And if they've got $60,000 in debt and they're paying an average of let's say 10 or 12% interest rate yep. and they have a mortgage that let's say they owe 200,000, we take that 50 or 60, put it together 
and make it a $260,000 mortgage, their mortgage payment will probably reduce by at least half of what their payment obligations are monthly on both like on the whole thing that they're doing right now. And then if they take that extra money that they were paying out anyway and put it on the mortgage, that's all principal. Yes. Okay, that's all principal because you're already paying interest on that first payment, right? Plus principal. Then you're taking that extra cash that you're saving. That all goes towards principal. And I've shown people how you can go from like a 20-year amortization down to 12 by doing that all because you're taking your debt and you're putting it on your mortgage. Now I get a question asked all the time. Well, I don't want to increase my mortgage. I, I want to pay it off quick. Right. But if you look at the whole picture and you look at the whole landscape, yep. it's money that you owe out. Yeah. Period. Like you owe period. that you owe it, to anyone. Right. Yeah, so yeah. if you put it on your mortgage or if it's unsecured, it's still money that you owe. So you have to think of how are you going to pay that off the quickest way possible? Now, I got a question for you there. I remember this was, this was like, I think a decade ago. So I've been around in this 15 years. I remember um, early on, there was a stat that said people who refied within two years had the exact same amount of consumer debt um, as they did before they refied simply because like, it's one thing to say, hey, you'll have extra money if you do this, but so many consumers don't. So mm-hmm. what are some tips, like when you're walking people through this, obviously you want them to use that extra money to put it down on debt yeah. uh, for the betterment of them. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some tips that maybe as the person on, on your side of the desk, helping them with the mortgage to say, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, we're doing this but you need to do X, Y, Z to make sure you're not in this same problem two years from now or three years from now. What would you tell them? Yeah. So I tell people that if you listen to what I say, you're going to be successful. (laughs) Yep. If you don't listen to what I say, you're, then it's up to you. Like, I mean, you, you could just do what you want and hopefully it is successful, but I do this like in my sleep. Yep. <laughs> okay. And literally like sometimes I'll be dreaming about it and I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like, but anyway, to the point, if, if I show you how to do it, I really would like to see you a year from now or two years from now. I'm not doing another mortgage for them. So do you actually book an appointment oh, yeah. a year later? I've had, I've had people where I've um, scheduled in a time, like let's say we're in September right now. I schedule September or even March of next year. Yep. And I look at, I spend a few minutes on the phone with them or Zoom and we go over where they're at now. We paid off all your debt. Do you have, like, wh- what have you accumulated in more debt in the past six months? And I'm talking like, let's say March of next year. And they'll say, well, Rasha, you know what? Like we had to put a new roof. Right. And then, oh, you know what? Our car broke down, so we had to get a new car. Or you know what? We, like, we really wanted a pool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So these are all like things that normally happen. It, it's life. Yep. You know? And that's probably what the stats is talking about. You know, we, we refinance and we pay off debt. And then there's more debt accumulated afterwards. But, but what I don't like hearing is, oh, we have $40,000 of debt and we don't know how we got it, right? Well, what did you do? Right, because 40000 is a decent amount. Right, of debt. like, so what did yeah. you do? So what I love, love, love to hear this situation, I'm actually working with a couple right now where we consolidated their debt two years ago mm-hmm. and they're coming up for renewal because we did a two-year mortgage. Um, and... And I, I pulled their credit bureaus and they have no debt. <laughs> they have no debt. And the reason why we did a two-year mortgage is because two years ago, they had so much debt that their credit scores went down and we had to go with an alternative lender. Hmm. So it was a higher rate at the time because banks were saying no to them. And now their credit scores are high. They're like in the 700s. And we're taking that mortgage and we're bringing it to a bank. And their rates are... 
actually their rate is a little bit higher than the B lender that we did two years ago. Yeah. Um, cause rates have gone up, but their situation has, is better. Two years ago, they almost did a consumer proposal. So that would That's have been more of a crazy. detriment to their financial situation. Um, where they didn't have to go through a consumer proposal. They didn't have to go bankrupt. Yep. And two years later, they've got excellent credit. That's cool. And that's, I mean, that's really, we tell people this all the time. I, I developed a, well, it's a saying I tell people, if I ever get the perception that we care more about your money than you do, then we're out. Like we can't help you because that's, yeah, they're in in the finance world, there's a lot of cool tools you can use that like what you're talking about. You have the power of refinancing in front of you. You can help a lot of people. Um, along with that, I think what you're saying is you also have to change some behavior at the same time. Mm -hmm. So this couple you're talking about obviously changed their behavior and that made the tools you provided them actually work well, um, which is, is what you want. Like we have a lot of really cool financial instruments in Canada. It's a, it's a great country, uh, for, um, the investments available, the types of debt available, um, tools to get you out of debt quicker. Um, but at the end of the day, if you're overspending, you've got to, you've got to change that behavior. And then those tools really do help you. Um, so I, I like that example. That's anytime you hear people paying off a ton of debt and, uh, having a bit of freedom there, that's really cool. Um, so there's a lot of people right now who are still contemplating the idea of renovating. Um, mm -hmm. so like perhaps dipping into a line of credit to do that. Um, what would you say, especially right now is the best way to do this is a good idea now to, to go and see if you have home equity you could take out uh, to do a reno. Um, and I know all these are situational, but just in general, uh, what would you say the, is the best way to do this? And is there certain things people should watch out for if they're looking at taking a line, of, like a home line and using it to renovate their home? Yeah. So I look at a, every single application is different from the other. Yeah. Where you could have a couple or a family where they owe, they have a mortgage with a really, really low interest rate and you don't want to break that mortgage. So we do a HELOC behind it and um and set it up in a way so then when they do come up for renewal on that first mortgage we pay off that HELOC because you right. don't want to have to mortgage like a mortgage payment and another payment you want it again like my other example have one payment and pay it off quicker okay okay yep. so we do the HELOC other instances where they're coming up for renewal and we get we take out equity you want sixty thousand dollars to renovate we upon renewal we 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 do that transaction okay um sometimes they've got situations where they're not coming up for renewal and we can't get a HELOC so we have to do a refinance and we look into what the penalties are and figure out if it's cost effective for them to do it that way what I'm finding right now is a lot of people that are buying homes and a lot of people don't know this but when you're purchasing a home you can add on an amount to the purchase price for renovations. Right. Okay. Yep. So you buy a house for $450,000 and it needs $40,000 in renovations, roof, you know, a uh, different thing. And windows, we can add that on to the purchase price. So instead of 450, you're buying it for 490 and you're putting the 5% down on the 490. Right. Okay. Which gives so, you the extra money to do that. You don't have the higher rate on the line of credit. Yep. You have it all in the mortgage. And then after closing, you don't have a, a mortgage and a home equity, or um, sorry, like a, 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 a line of credit besides the mortgage and you're paying both. Yep. Yeah. Now, if you did it on renewal, this is just more of a details question. Would mm -hmm. you have to get the home appraised before you could do that? Or yeah. does that? Yeah. The so appraisal. are there any... Are there any problems with that now? Like with, uh, I guess this would be more on if people bought homes for too much, but yeah, um, where mm -hmm. homes are being appraised and the equity is just not there or, um, um, 
You know, that's like a different topic altogether. If if you look at homes that are selling today compared to what that specific home would have sold for, let's say a year ago. Sure. Um, it's really not that bad. Okay. Um, yes, house prices have come back down. Mm-hmm. But I feel like in Windsor, like for example, a house that would have sold for six fifty a year ago, that same house is selling for for five eighty. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But if you look at that same house three years ago, that house would have probably sold for a lot less than five eighty. Right. It might have been like three twenty or three fifty. Or so we're still in terms of values, we're still people good. still have a lot of equity. Still a lot of equity. By and large. Even, yeah, even if even if you shave 20, 25% off of what was last year's high, you're still probably, I don't know if laughing is the right term, but you're you're probably doing just fine. Um, yeah. So with the, um, the change that has come in the market this year, uh, what are some things that people need to be mindful of when they're getting a new mortgage or renewing that maybe they didn't have to worry about before? Uh, okay, so if your mortgage, if you're at an interest rate of let's say two point something or three point something, yeah, a lot of people are getting a sticker shock because five year fixed rates right now are five and a quarter. We do have some five year fixed rates in the fours, okay, but still, that's almost still like two percent higher. higher than what you're coming up for renewal. Yeah, and so sticker shock payment shock like those are all like you know how am i going to afford this so we're going through a lot of refinancing so um if you have a fifty thousand dollar credit card or line of credit where you're paying a thousand bucks a month on it maybe this is the time to like put it in with your mortgage so yes you're getting that higher rate but your cash flow is almost the same right monthly yeah now I am advising a lot of my clients to, to go into variable rate mortgages because I feel like rates are going to come back next down next year. Okay. And then when they're in a variable rate mortgage, um, you can lock in when rates come back down with no penalties. Right. So then you, you may have a few months, well, more than a few where you're paying that higher rate. But if it if it comes back down, you're getting that automatically, and then you can just flip a switch, for lack of a better term, and now you have it locked in at at a better rate a year from now. Because if you do a five year fixed rate right now at five and a quarter, and rates come back ne- down next year, you can't just refinance that more. You can, right. but your penalties are going to be high. Right. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. I and even even in like perspective, I remember my wife and I. Fif- it's. 15 years ago now we bought our first house and we were like happy with five. I think we got, I'm going to get this wrong because like 15 years seems like forever ago, but I think it was around five and a quarter, five and a half back in, I think it was 2007 when we bought our first house. And that was, we were happy with that. And you could Mm -hmm. now mind you housing price, like house prices were so much lower, Yeah, but all in all, it's not a bad rate if things get back down to three four um like it's still a, what i'm saying is it's pr- still a pretty good interest rate given um what things have been in the past um so things for people to worry about maybe worry is not the right word but when qualifying for a new mortgage at today's higher rates it's kind of the same thing um the, the mortgage stress test, that's one thing that you hear a lot about. So what, what are some things that um, are going to affect people maybe differently again when qualifying for a brand new house? They're not refinancing. Maybe they're trying to purchase for the first time. Um, is the stress test that biggest thing um, on top of, I guess, the amount of money they're going to have to pay for the mortgage versus yeah. what they would have? But is that the biggest change is now they're being stressed at just a much higher rate? And what is the, what do you know what the mortgage stress test rate roughly is now? It's got yeah. seven or... So I'll give you an example yeah. of what we're seeing a lot of right now, okay? Beginning of this year, like let's say January or even December, interest rate were interest rates were a lot lower. 
And the stress test at that time that we were using was five and a quarter. Because if you look at the stress test rules, it's the posted rate right. or 2% on what the mortgage, the mortgage that you're being offered. Yeah. Like whatever that is, plus 2%. Okay. Now, when interest rates were two and a half percent, the banks were using five and a quarter because two and a half plus two is four and a half percent. Right. They're going to use five and a quarter. Yeah. So when we were pre-approving individuals and families at five and a quarter, let's say a $550,000 purchase, they qualified that back in January. Now, five-year fixed rates at are at 5% and five and a quarter, or let's say four and a half. Yeah. So they're no longer using the five and a quarter posted rate stress test. They're using whatever Higher. you're being offered plus, plus 2%. Two. So, so you're going from five and a quarter to seven and a quarter. Which is, it's, do you think that, uh, sorry to cut you off, but this is this has actually been running through my mind with the stress test that if if we get to the point where we don't think rates can come up any higher, is there a point where the stress test, at least maybe they decrease it a bit mm -hmm. because it's not really feasible. Like, I sure hope it's not feasible that we hit 10 ever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah, know what I, I'm saying? I, yeah. Like, they look at seven and they're like, geez, this isn't really realistic anymore. Yeah. Maybe we'll stress test it at one percent higher. Is there any talk yeah. of that, or is the there plaintiff... is? Yeah. So the it's not up to the banks. The banks have to follow the government right. mandates, and it's the government that put this in place. And so now, like, there are talks of changing the stress test, but okay. we just don't know when, and and we don't know how. Like, are they going to add two percent? Are they going to add one percent? Are they going to just take it away altogether? Right. Um. But. Um, the stress test only came into like it only came into play. We didn't even know what that was really until I think it was 2017, I believe. Yeah, 2017, and all of a sudden there's this stress test. Everybody was qualifying based on whatever rate you were being offered. Right. And then this changed. I remember one night I was sitting in my office till like 1 a.m. in the morning. And just like emailing people and saying, um, like these pre-approvals will not be um, um, valid as of such and such date. So if you're looking to buy a home, make sure you put in because we we had a I don't know I think it was like a one month window where you can put an offer before this date, and not have and to the go stress back. test will not apply to you. Yeah, it was. A very stressful time now in retrospect though do you think that with the way the housing market went that like it's probably a good thing it was there because there's a lot um, of people who are gonna who are yeah. gonna in actual fact pay that higher rate yeah and knowing they could afford it but what happened was i find that you know some clients that are coming up for renewal yeah, they were they, they quali we qualified them based on the five like the posted rate. Right. But then now they have a car payment that they didn't have five years ago. Right. Right? So then you're coming up for renewal. We have to qualify you at whatever the rate is plus two percent. Plus now you have a car payment. Yeah. Right? And that's and gonna if, be hard to and if swing. already when we did this mortgage, you were maxed out, okay. We we're hoping that your income is increased mm -hmm. or something, right? Yeah. So I've gotten into a lot of conversations where I've, because sometimes when you just renew with your lender, you and you're not refinancing, you're not taking out any equity. Yep. I've told clients like, just sign on the dotted line. Yeah, get it done because the renewal with your institution. Correct me if I'm wrong. That's pretty streamlined. Like that paper comes, it has your rate options. Mm -hmm. You sign one. They're not going, they're not checking your credit other than like the soft checks the bank would normally yeah. do on you. But it's, it's almost guaranteed. Is it not that renewal unless you go out to hunt for a better rate? Um, like I had a situation where my client wanted to take out equity. Yeah. So the bank had done all the checks and credit and everything. And then they don't, found out that they don't qualify. So they wouldn't renew the mortgage. 
So I always tell my clients, when you come up for renewal, let's have that conversation first before you do anything. Yep. Because if it's best for you to just renew with your lender, I'm going to tell you that. If it's, if you have, if we have, um, if we can shop it around, get a better rate, we can do that as well. So it's whatever we can do um, to make sure they get the best deal at the end of the day. I've gotten on the phone with lenders where I've said, I can get a better rate for these clients, knowing that I probably can't take them anywhere. (laughs) 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 Like, because I know they don't qualify, you know, but, you know, but I'm, I'm just trying to help them out to get the best rate with their current lender. I know we're putting this on air, but you know what? Anybody listening, they know that I'm always trying to do the best for my clients. And yeah, I, I'm trying I've, to get them the I've best. I probably rate. said this on every <laughs> podcast where we've had someone who's a broker of whatever they're doing, where it's like when you're at an institution, you're in their house with their, with their products. When you're with a broker, there's, there's a lot more incentive for that person just to find you the best thing. Like, you're the one in mm-hmm. more, not more control, but in a sense, it's your job to go out and hunt for that client to get them the best thing possible, not to try to fit them into the mold of the small set of products that you have available. So that that's really cool. And it's always nice to hear when people, the way they're doing their business is helping people, even if it's not always helping them at the same time. Mm. Um, purchase price versus appraised value. So I buy a home, but they say it's worth X. Uh, what happens if they're different and how do we avoid the difference between these two things? So I, just for listeners purchase price, like this is pretty, pretty basic. This is what I buy the house for, but it's appraised at either more or less than what I bought it for. I'm assuming we're hoping it's appraised for more, more than what we buy. Yeah. Because you know, I, you put your house up on the market and I offer you, you have it listed for $4.99 yep. and I offer you, let's say in today's market, I offer you $4.99 and you accept. Great. Now I take that piece of paper and I go back to my broker and I say, oh, I have an accepted offer for $4.99. And then my broker turns around, submits it to the lender for approver, approval. The lender wants to do an appraisal to make sure the house is worth four ninety nine. Right. Okay. The appraisal comes back and it's worth four seventy five. Now okay. we're underwater. So, well, we're not really underwater, but the lender is only going to lend on what the value is. Yeah. Which is four seventy five. But I made a promise to you that I'm going to buy that house at four ninety nine. Who's going to pay that difference? Me. Right. Right. So that's a difference of $24,000. So if I only had 5% down on my purchase of $499, which is 20, you know, whatever that is, right? But now I have to, let's just say 500,000. 500,000, 5% is $25,000. Yep. But now I have to put 5% down on 475 plus come up with that $24,000 difference. Right. So that's like, let's say $50,000. Yeah, that's a lot more than Where you are you? So if I've made a cash offer to you with no finance condition, no, not, no conditions, and the value came in lower, what am I going to do now? I have to come up with that difference. Yeah, or I think, I think it was in the Globe and Mail today, they had an article that there's an, off, an awful high amount of canceled deals for mm-hmm. that reason, because it's like, well, maybe the, 50,000 doesn't come out of thin air and I don't have a rich dad or aunt or uncle who can for, afford that money over. Um, so how do you, how do you avoid that then? Like on a, on purchasing, is it just making sure you have the right agent to make sure you're not, um, asking more than it's worth yeah. or. So the simple answer to that is something called a finance condition. And to like during the pandemic. Wait a second. Uh, this is a joke, but you're allowed to put conditions on offers in real estate. <laughs> I, I didn't know well, you did that. <laughs> the thing is, is that like before the bidding wars and, and all of that, you know, and, and it's really, really actually sad um, because, you know, before the pandemic and before the, the bidding wars and all that, you were able to put a finance condition. 
you were able to put an inspection condition, right? Yeah, a house to sell condition, and then with bidding wars, you can't put no conditions. Okay, um, so therefore, people were having to like come up with that difference in price. Yeah. Um, now, because there's not that many bidding wars, you can put you can get away with putting a finance condition. Yeah, and if if you don't, I mean, I, the I'm price seeing, to get out of the deal is worse than. So or, I don't know. You'll get sued. Like yeah. you, you, the the seller could sue you, or they can just back you know um, try to put the house back on the market to see what they can get. Um. But the simple thing is just to put a finance condition, you can get away with it now because there's not a lot of bidding wars right now. So you're not worried about losing that offer to another to another purchasing uh, well, and it, bidder. It's the it's one of the biggest things you're ever going to purchase in your life. Yes. So why not, uh, especially if you're going to if you're going to get it financed and then pay a bank back or an institution back or the amortization period, you might as well make sure it's worth what you're paying for it. It seems to make a bit of sense. Yep. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like it got crazy for a while to yep. think that exactly yeah. people would make the biggest decision of their life and have no mechanism to make sure that the value matched what they were paying. Mm -hmm. That's insane. Um, you don't do that in any other, any other area of finance, right? Like you always make sure the value, it'd be like going to a used car lot and saying, just give me that for 10 grand and drive off and hope that it's worth what you paid for. And in the used market, when you're not buying something brand new, I mean, you don't, you don't know. Like I can speak from experience on that back when we bought a home right before the grow up rules changed. Oh yes. And we had mm -hmm. an inspector come through mm -hmm. and green light the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but then like the underneath was totally rotten. Like you could pull yeah. the joists off with your bare hands in most areas of the home wow. and everyone missed it. But because we had it inspected, we were able to uh, recoup some of that. that because, and, and it's to your safety to do it. Cause I mean, especially right now, we know a lot of young couples, they have saved for years mm -hmm. yes. uh, to get a down payment meaningful enough to really, to get the house they'd like. That's not like a total fixer upper. Um, so all of that hard work, like get it a, why not that financing condition, make sure the bank's gonna like give you what you, or, or lend so, you what you think yeah. it's worth. Now there's a difference between an appraisal and an inspection. So yes. if I go back like five minutes into our conversation, actually like five minutes ago, the reason why I said it's so sad because a lot of people were not able to put an inspection condition. And so you buy this house going in blind, like not knowing what's wrong with the house. Right. And then they, they live in it and then they, you know, what's that smell or what is this or what's happened? And it, there could be plumbing issues. There could be mold issues, issues that you couldn't have even seen because you, um, you know, you can't really see it just walking through the house. Yep. And these, these renovations are, could be very costly. It could be thousands of dollars. Now, some people don't have that kind of money. And an inspection could save you. If, if you, you know, you should bring on an inspector. I don't know if you have, but bring on an inspector to the podcast and you'll see like what kind of issues they run into they run into and and they could save people from thousands of dollars of money of we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do that um one thing i saw too was um i'm sure you noticed this as well um the house would go up for sale sign goes on the lawn pre-inspected by so that the report was there for yeah. all before like i've heard they do that a lot in toronto it just seems to make mm -hmm. sense that yes um Again, if you're if you're the government of Canada, especially, and you're looking at ways to make it safer, if that's what you want to do, like mm -hmm. put those protections in there for the buyers so that they aren't getting surprised. Um, so to recap this, um, get a financing condition mm -hmm. on, um, preferably get it inspected as well yes. to make sure you can really 
for lack of a better term, kick the tires on what you're buying. Um, one last question, and this is the question of the hour. We won't we won't uh, hold you to this, but is it a good time to buy a home? I get this question asked every single day. <laughs> I bet. The other day I was at church and somebody asked me that question and I'm like, I'm, tr- I'm uh, at church. <laughs> I'm at church. <laughs> I'm trying to. But anyway, that is a really good question. Um, and the answer to that is yes, uh, because I feel like right now, is a you know there's not that many bidding words so yep. you have a better chance at if you because um, I feel like a lot of people gave up on putting offers because yeah. they just got outbidded every single time so number one right now the chances of that is not going to happen okay um, you're not going to have to go in on a house that's listed for four ninety nine and bid a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars more right because there's no bidding wars um and then you have the you have the ability to put finance conditions and inspection conditions and all of that reason being is because there's more inventory than demand right right? so because of interest rates being high and all of that once interest rates start coming back down i I don't think we're going to have like 15 offers on a house sure but there might be two or three Okay, and if we get into that situation again with two, with two, three offers on a home, then you're, you know, yeah. Like so, to 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 answer that question, this is the time I think in the next year to get in. To get in, I just don't like being in a bidding war situation as a buyer. Yeah, it puts a gun to your head, for lack of a better term, right? You can't where you where you feel like you have to make this decision. Where, like, I remember, um, I think it was a financial seminar I was in, and they always said, if you're making a big purchase, sleep on it. Yeah. Um, so that you could have time to really think about what you're doing, think about the money you're spending, make sure the value's there. Um, you haven't been able to sleep on much when it comes to housing, like to have the time to methodically say, this is the one we want. Um, we're actually willing to overpay for XYZ, or we're not willing to overpay for XYZ reason. So now you're able to methodically get into the market and and ask those questions you should be asking anyway when you're spending that kind of money on yeah. something. So you think we have about a year of that kind of a calmer period where you could kind of get in slower without feeling like you have to jump on anything that has a door. Yeah. Yeah, like you can ask questions. I'm the type of person that if I buy a home, I like to ask questions like um, uh, utility bills. Like, what do you pay um, during the summer and what do you pay in the winter? And like just questions like that, simple questions. Uh, I found that during the bidding wars, if you asked a question, nobody answered them because they don't, they don't, not that they don't care, but... Um, it didn't matter because there were 15 other offers that they were going to entertain and my questions didn't matter. Right. You know. So let me ask you this then. Um, I said that was my last question, but I'll add to it. <laughs> so you have a, there's an individual or a family, they're looking to get into the housing market now. At what point would you say, um, come talk to me, sit down with a mortgage broker and let's let's find out what you can get. Like, where do you come in into the equation? Is it the first thing you should do is sit down with a mortgage broker? Or do you look around for a bit? What What do you recommend? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's like a simple question to answer because if you're going to go out and look for a home to buy, and yep. if you had, if you're looking at a $500,000 purchase and you had $500,000 cash in the bank to pay for that house cash, then no, you're ready to buy that house cash so you're not going to talk to a broker. Right. Right. But if you need money for that home, wouldn't you want to know that you can get that money? Yeah. First, right? And if you qualify for it, at what interest rate? Um, there's so many people out there that think they can get a mortgage of, let's say, $500,000 and they don't qualify for it because of the stress test rules or. Maybe they're on contract and self-employed. Maybe they had issues with credit before. And so they don't really know what the lending rules are. And then when they talk to us, we're like, 
yeah, you need a co-signer or you need more money down. Yep. Or they might be okay and they'll get approved. Um, I have a perfect example of a client where he's a travel nurse. Okay. And he makes about 200000 a year. Okay. And a lot of banks with travel nurses, they want to average two years of income. But he was only thinking of, oh, I'm, I make $200,000 a year. But when you average the last two years in 2020, it wasn't 200. Mm. So he qualified for less. He actually need a co-signer hmm. to purchase the house that he wanted to purchase. So yeah, you make a lot of money, but when you look at the stress test rules and how yep. much you qualify for and you have a car payment, and uh, yeah, you have to like do your um, homework before you go out and buy. And you don't want to waste. I, I talked to a lot of realtors. If I was a realtor, my number one question to a, a person would be, are you buying this house cash? Right. Or are you looking for a mortgage? Because why I ask that question is because a lot of times, sometimes somebody will say, yeah, no, I'm good. Oh, you're going to buy cash. You're going to buy it for cash. Oh, no, no. So if you need a mortgage, I want to make sure that you're pre-approved. Yeah, we don't, don't we don't want to waste go out, the time. Right? Yeah. And I then you find the house you love and 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 not only that, like if you're not pre-approved and you find a house that you love for 850 and you find out that you don't qualify for it and you only qualify for 650, your expectations now are like you've looked at all these homes that you wanted for 850. Yeah. And now you're like, you know, it's hard to go back. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Well, cool. Well, this has been great. A lot yeah. Of, thank you for having me. Yeah, it was great to have you. So, Rasha, we're going to throw your uh, contact info up in the details of this podcast. But thank you so much for coming on, Rasha. For anyone who doesn't know, um, she is a mortgage broker here in Windsor-Essex. Just curi- out of curiosity, where does your business mostly come from? Like, do you, do you go outside of Windsor, Essex? Like, do you take clients from out of town or do you primarily deal with people just right in the area? Here? Um, I would say 80% of, or maybe 80 or 85% of my business is Windsor in the local area, like Leamington. Yeah. Yeah. I, I go up to Chatham. Um, okay. the other 15 or 20% is outside of our area. Um, it's either people from Windsor that are moving outside or just a lot of people that are referring their brothers and sisters and family outside of Windsor. Sure. Um, I'm a big believer in working with local clients because I know the home locally. It's hard when you're trying to mortgage a property. Like a lot of times I'll find that if somebody's trying to mortgage a property here in Windsor, but they're using a broker outside of Windsor, they don't know Windsor very well. Okay, so knowing the market you you really need to know your market that you live in, um, because lenders have different guidelines. You know the grow up guideline that you just talked about earlier, it applied differently in different uh, areas, Hmm. and so a broker in that area would know better than a broker outside of that area. If that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Hey, well, Rasha, thanks so much again for coming on and uh, hopefully we can do this again. Yes. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal, financial or professional advice. The opinions expressed are those of the participants and are for informational purposes only and do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Mutual funds and ETFs provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc. Commissions, trailing commissions, management fees, and expenses all may be associated with mutual fund investments. Please read the fun facts before investing. Mutual funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated.